0: in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us. So be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Acts, chapter 14. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney.
1: He was on the road to Damascus to kill Christian folks. And God interrupted his life. Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Who art thou, Lord? Saul, it's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he got saved in Acts chapter 9. What was he doing when he got saved? He was going to persecute the Christians. Paul was not a good guy. When he gave his life to Christ, he wasn't a good guy. When God interrupted his life, he didn't interrupt his life because he was a good guy. He interrupted his life and God saved him because that is grace. And that's why I titled this sermon, Grace, 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 because the longer I walk with God, the longer I get to know him. And the more I get to know Rodney, the more I realize it is grace, 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 grace. It's not about you. It's not about us. It's no good thing that we can do to please God. He loves you because he is God, don't you see? I don't understand it. Don't ask me to theologically explain it. Give you a dissertation on how God loves us and the way that he does and how he does, why he does. I don't know, that would make him God. It's all about grace. And if you study the Bible, you will see it is all about grace. You study the New Testament, you can see that grace drew us to salvation. Grace teaches us. Grace causes us to look for the coming of the Lord. Grace establishes our hearts, the Bible says. Grace called us and justified us and blessed us and sanctified us. And grace, the Bible says, will ultimately glorify us. And grace, that's why I love that song, will lead us home. Grace. Grace. It's all about grace. God's grace is limitless. You know the song Amazing Grace? How sweet the sound to save the rest like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, but blind and not see. You know a guy who wrote that song? His name is John Newton. And uh, you know that song? Raise your hand. Of course. Okay, good. (laughs) Only three fourths of this room raise their hand. Somebody lying. If you know that song, raise your hand. Thank you. Everyone knows that song. That song, did you know, get this, I was really interested to find out because I had weeks of reading and no life. And I was interested to find out that that song is sung in every language on the planet Isn't that interesting? Of all the songs ever written, and there have been billions, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved the wretch like me is sung in every language on the planet. Why? Because it carries with it the message of grace. That's why. Because it has the message of grace in it. And we all know the story, and we've heard the story of John Newton, who was a slave trader, and we've all actually come to believe, now listen to me closely, you'll find this interesting, we've all come to believe that John Newton, who was a slave trader, gave his life to Christ one day on the ship, and then he sat down to pen the song, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound. That sounds nice, but that's not actually how it happened. Listen at this. John Newton was saved, check this out, May 10th. 1748 and the song was written somewhere between 1760 and 1773 when he became a Christian he returned to Liverpool he later sailed to Africa where he traveled village to village buying human beings and returning them as cargo he sailed across the Atlantic literally studying his Bible in his quarters as 200 slaves lay in the hole shackled together two by two squeezed into shells like secondhand books. A third of these slaves died during this long voyage across the ocean, and many suffered serious illness. When the ship arrived in Charleston, South Carolina, John Newton delivered these men and women and children into a life of oppression. And while he sat in churches and took leisurely strolls to the fields and woods outside of Charleston, for years, John Newton, get this, had no idea that slavery was evil and wrong. He captained his own ship and continued to sell human lives for several more years. In all, Newton spent 10 years trading slaves after he had become a Christian. It was many years later that Newton wrote, I once was blind, but now I see. Now I know that when you become a Christian, Your eyes are open spiritually. But let me just suggest to you, because the song was written many, many years after his eyes were opened, I believe and many believe that John Newton was actually saying, I once was blind, but now I see to the fact that slave trading was wrong. And after he became a Christian, so many, many, many years later, the Holy Spirit began to convict his heart about this trade slave, uh, slave trading. And, and he was blind, but now he sees. Once lost, but now found. And so the question then is, how could a Christian, a born-again believer, do something like that? Why wouldn't he stop? Well, I think it's as simple as this. When you become a Christian, you really don't realize how messed up you really are. You know, somebody once said it like this. They said, part of our mess is knowing that we're a mess. And that's very true. When you first become a Christian, you don't realize you're a mess. I mean, most of us haven't abused kids. Most of us haven't killed anyone. Most of us haven't participated in a felony. Maybe not most of us, but... Don't say amen there. I don't, I don't want, you. I want you to give it away. <laughs> but, 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 but oftentimes we don't realize that, that it takes time for us to grow. And as you grow as a Christian, you start to realize your eyes are open to the fact that you're a mess. And even if you haven't done some things, we've done other things. You know, I was reading a report that said most people think that they are better than other people. Most people feel that they are better than the average person. Most people feel, the report says, that they are more ethical, more loyal, more faithful, more of a faithful friend, more of a devoted spouse than other people. The report said that most people think they obey the Ten Commandments more consistently than others. You know, I got to tell you, I think that's probably true. I mean, we see someone do something terrible and we say, well, I can never do that. Now, we wouldn't do that but we might do something else. And so you look at somebody and go, oh, I would never do that. (laughs) I would never do that. And they look at you and go, I would never do (laughs) that. I would never do that. You see? Because most people think that they are better than most people. The point is this, saints, listen closely. We were all blinded. Even when we became a Christian and it takes some time for God to work some stuff out of your life to get you to the place that he wants you to be. So back up off of new Christians. It takes time. You know, I believe that was the case with John Newton. He had to grow in grace. A friend of John said this that he had not spent 30 minutes with John without hearing the former captain's remorse for trading slaves. And he spent the rest of his life fighting against slavery. And at the end of his life, John Newton said to one of his friends, he said, my memory is nearly gone, but two things I remember. I am a great sinner and he is a great savior. I like that. Yeah, I'll wait. Praise the Lord. Uh, Amen. Because I clap my hands at that because those are two things that every Christian should remember. Hello. He is a great Savior. I'm a great sinner. I love that. Well, Paul knew about grace. Having killed men, women, and children. God granted signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But there was a division. We just read it part sided with the Jews, part with the apostles, and they sought to kill Paul and Barnabas, but they ran to Lystra and Derbe and they preached the gospel there. Well, listen, hang on to your hats. Let's take a chunk of text. Look at verse 8. Saints, you're still with me? Say amen. amen. And in Lystra, a certain man, notice this man, three things you want to point out, without strength in his feet, cripple. From his mother's wound, and he had never walked. Well this man heard Paul speaking. Paul observing him intently, gazed intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, Stand up and straighten your feet. And he leaped and he walked. And when the people saw what Paul had done, they raised their voices and they said, In the Lyconian language, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. And Barnabas they called who saints? Zeus. And Paul they called who? Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. And then the priest of Zeus, whose temple was in the front of the city, brought oxen and garland to the gates, intending to sacrifice with the multitudes. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard this, they tore their clothes, they were lamenting, and they ran in among the multitude, crying out, saying, Men, why are you doing these things? And why? We are also men with the same nature, or some of your Bible says, with like passions as you. And preach to you that you should turn from these useless things, amen, to the living God who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and all the things that are in them, who in bygone generations allowed all the nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, in verse 17, check it out. He did not leave himself without a witness in that he did good. He always does good. And he gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. And with these things, they could scarcely restrain the multitude from sacrificing to them. Now, listen closely. Lystra didn't have any synagogues. Obviously, there weren't enough Jews. Remember, in every city that there were 10 Jews or more, they would establish a synagogue. So obviously, Lystra did not have any Jews, not enough Jews, and thus they did not have a synagogue. So when Paul and Barnabas get into the city of Lystra, they immediately establish a street ministry. And God uses Paul to heal a crippled man. And the Holy Spirit, did you know this, describes this man three different ways so we don't get it confused. Without strength, number one, in his feet, crippled from his mother's womb, which tells us he was an adult male. And then thirdly, he had never walked. This man was sitting there listening to Paul. And Paul realized he was listening and Paul perceived how he perceived. We don't know how the Holy Spirit said we don't know, but he perceived that he had faith to be healed. And he said with a loud voice, stand up straight on your feet. And he leaped up and he walked. Now, listen, saints, very closely. I need you to listen to me very closely. God, do you know? God heals people in different ways, at different times, in different scenarios, in different circumstances. God heals people the way God chooses. And it's not all the same. And get this. Now, this is going to shock you. God, and I want you to listen to me closely. God does not need your faith in order to heal you Amen. but that's a whole nother sermon we do not have time to get into that this morning but god does not need your faith to heal you we know many 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 scenarios and stories in the bible when jerry's daughter you remember when jerry's daughter was healed she wasn't healed because she had faith because jerry's daughter was dead Listen, when you're dead, by definition, that would mean nothing's happening, okay? And no faith either. She was dead. We know Lazarus was healed, and Lazarus didn't have faith. Remember, he also was dead. As a matter of fact, he was so dead, he was what we call very dead. (laughs) Now listen, you know you're dead when you're very dead. Matter of fact, he was so very dead that he stunk. Remember Mary and Martha? Jesus, if you had been here, it's been four days where you've been. If you had been here, our brother wouldn't be dead. Jesus said, don't worry about it. I got this. Don't worry about it. And they said, oh, Lord, by now, this is my favorite part in the Bible, my favorite verse in the Bible. Lord, by now, he stinketh. That's my favorite verse. I don't know. Isn't that gross? It's my favorite verse. Lord, he's thinking he would look, 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 Lazarus did not have faith. We know when the centurion servant was healed, he was in a different neighborhood and Jesus healed the servant because of the centurion's faith, not the servant's faith. Remember the leopard said to Jesus, if you want to, you can make me clean. The woman with the issue of blood thought if I could just touch the hem of his garment, and she tried to sneak away, and Jesus said, who touched me? And the demoniac, remember, certainly didn't have faith to be healed. You know the story. Jesus drove the demons out of the demoniac, and he sent the demons into 2,000 pigs. And there in the Bible, we have the first mention of deviled ham. Sorry. All right, shake it off. Shake it off, man. Shake it off, shake it off, shake it off. Well, here's the point. I mean, the, (laughs) the point is this. Listen, God does not need our faith to accomplish anything. Jesus heals people not because of their faith, but because of grace, grace, grace. He is sovereign. He does whatever he wants. And so Paul perceived this man had faith to be healed. And he said with a loud voice, stand up and get up on your feet. Now, this had to be a word from God to Paul. This had to be a word. I mean, you better know that God is telling you to do. You see somebody never walked before. You better know it's God telling you to tell that person to get up and stand on your feet. You better know that's God. Otherwise, you're going to be standing there looking pretty stupid. Can you imagine a person sitting there, they never walk all their life, and you go, in the name of Jesus, build. And he just sit there and look at you like you're crazy. He'd be like, hmm, what's up with that? Something wrong with you? Well, when the people saw what was done, did you notice in your text, they tried to make Paul a god. And they named him Hermes and Barnabas, they named Zeus. And when Paul realized that they were trying to make them a God, notice they tore their clothes and they said, knock it off. You guys are crazy. What are you doing? We are men with the same nature as you. And even in all their speaking, they could hardly keep them from doing sacrifice to them. But then notice in verse 17, Paul says, listen, God has not left himself without a witness. Saints, listen, I'm going to give you this quick. Did you know that God has never left himself without a witness? Here's three witnesses for you. Write this down. Number one, we have the witness of creation. People, I don't believe in God. I never see God. Listen, if you want to see God, all you have to do is step Outside Look up, and Psalm 19 tells us the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament show with His handiwork. Day unto day, the heavens preach the gospel. All you got to do is look outside. God has left himself a witness. First of all, theologians call that general revelation. He left himself a witness in creation. Secondly, God has left himself a witness in the person of Jesus Christ. And then thirdly, God himself has left himself a witness in that he sent believers into a lost world to give witness and testimony. God never leaves himself without a witness. And so the Jews stoned Paul. And keep in mind now, these are the same people that earlier that day, they were bringing him fruits and vegetables. Earlier that day, they were sacrificing to him. And now here it is minutes later, they drag him out of the city and they stone him. Listen, saints closely. This is why you can't live for the approval of people. Because one minute they sacrifice to you and the next minute they make a sacrifice of you. Somebody once said, don't let anybody put you up on a pedestal because one second later they'll take the pedestal out from under your feet and beat you over the head with it. (laughs) And that's very, very true. Man is fickle. One minute they love you, the next minute they hate you. One minute they say Paul's a god, and the next minute they say, oh, he's not a god. Well, they stoned him, and they drug his dead body out of the city, supposing him to be dead. Now, in your margins, very quickly, I want you to look at that word suppose. And now in the margin, you can write this. Something they thought they knew. You know, it's not maybe he was dead. It's not maybe he was dead and maybe he's not. They thought he was completely flatlined. They thought he was dead. And so they drug him out of the city and they threw him on a trash heap. And as the disciples stood around him, Notice in verse 19, the Jews and the, uh, from Antioch and, and, and Iconium came there and having persuaded the multitudes, they stoned Paul. You see that? And they dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. However, when the Jews gathered around him, look at verse 20, he rose up. He just kind of popped up. And he went into the city. And the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. You see that? Man, I think that's pretty fascinating. And these guys are standing around. They're probably thinking Paul was a good fellow. We weren't too sure about him at first. I mean, killing the Christians and all. And uh, gotten used to him now. It's been some years in the ministry. And Paul was a good fellow. Maybe they were standing around. He's laying there dead, remember. And maybe they were praying for him. Oh, Lord, please raise up our brother Paul. We need him. And maybe Paul's in heaven saying, God, please don't hear their prayers. (laughs) Don't send me back. I told y'all. I told y'all, I want to die in the pulpit. Of course, I said that about six months ago, and one brother, bless his heart, he died in the pulpit. You know that story? You see that story in the news? Y'all didn't see it. And, uh, and I told y'all, please, give me your word. Give me your give, give pastor your word. If I die, please, no one pray me back. <laughs> please don't, beep, don't be, oh, Pastor Roddy, Lord, heal him, Lord, raise him up. Listen, I don't want to come back. Right. Love y'all mean it. I don't want to come back, and if you pray me back, and I come back to life, I'm going to find out who did it, and I'm going to punch you. I'm telling you, when I see you, I'm just going to go, who who did it, who did it, who did it, you know? I don't want to be here. I mean, don't pray me back. Perhaps they were praying Paul back. We don't know, but as they were standing around, the Bible says he rose up. Think about that. They had, he was stoned. Now, now, what I mean was he was stoned. <laughs> he was stoned by stones. Yes. You know, language sure has changed. <laughs> you know, be cool means take it easy. In like, kid's language, you don't know what they're talking about anymore. You know, they say, what's up? That means have a good day or how you doing? Off the chain, mean, it doesn't speak of a dog that's been let loose. It speaks of something that's very, very good. Peace out means goodbye. You know, I I learned this one, rolling on doves. That means you got nice big tires on your car. Rolling on doves. I thought if you roll on doves, you're going to kill them. But what do I know? I don't know anything. Bling, bling. We all know what bling, bling means. Hey, let me tell you, bling, bling that made its way into mainstream culture now. Heard a guy on MSNBC talking about some guy. He goes, oh, yeah, he got the bling bling. I'm like, okay, bling bling, made it into the Webster's Dictionary now. We know that Paul was stoned with stones. He wasn't high. And, uh, and, and many believe that he was dead at this point. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, look that up in your own time. But Paul talks about at this time where he was caught up to the third heaven. The Bible talks about three heavens. The first heaven is the sky. The second heaven is the stellar heaven or the starry heaven. And the third heaven is the heaven of heavens. That would be the kingdom of God. And Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians 12 that he was caught up to the third heaven. The things that he saw there were indescribable, and he couldn't describe those things. Many scholars believe it was at this time that that Paul saw was um, dead and caught up into heaven and somehow came back to life and God continued to use him now in verses 21 through 28 thank you Jesus I'm gonna wrap this up right here despite the persecution they found in Lystra the work continues get your pen I want you to write this down because I I can't develop it maybe next week but they returned to Lystra Iconium and Antioch with a five-fold plan to help the church And here are the five things they continue to do in the churches. Let me give them to you. In verse 22, they continued strengthening their souls with teaching. In verse 22 again, they were encouraging by preparing the believers for spiritual warfare. In verse 23, they were helping to organize the church. I know I'm moving fast. I hope you write fast. Strengthening. Encouraging. Encouraging. Yeah, it's on the screen. Helping to organize the church. Verse 23, again, commanding and trusting the new Christians into the hands of the Lord. It's your homework. Verse 24 through 26, they were completing the work that God sent them to do. And then look at verse 27. When they had come and gathered the church together, you looking at verse 27, say amen. amen. They reported all that God had done with them, and he opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. And so they stayed there a long time with the disciples. And so with that, we complete chapter 14.
0: You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina.